All right, I want to welcome on my next guest. We got Marcus Grant, NFL.com, NFL Media, fantasy guru, fantasy football, everything. Marcus is everything. Ah, good to be here, man. Uh, that is a, a very warm welcome. But yeah, I appreciate the invitation. Absolutely, yeah. We got fantasy coming up in a couple weeks. Not really as much hype as in years past, but it's coming. So yeah, yeah. I mean, I do think you know. Look, I, let, let's just be honest here, right? The state of the world is such that you know, thinking about your fantasy football team is probably not top of mind for a lot of people. So. I completely get that, but uh, you know it is coming nonetheless, and I do feel the excitement at least starting to build as we get closer to, to the start of the NFL season. Yeah, because I know normally around this time, I'm like, all right, I got three, four drafts to do. I'm looking up, all right, who people like this year, sleepers, who's going to be like everything, sleepers, who's going to break out, who should I not take, who's going to take Mahomes in the first round, looking at your buddy's list, <laughs> and then it's for the people that are in commissioner's leagues, who hasn't signed up, who hasn't paid, you got to do this, that, who hasn't logged in, we got to find a drive, and this year, it's just kind of like, all sort of coming and then I don't know if there's more anticipation or people are just kind of like it's different but I think people are still definitely excited for it and are there any guys off the top of your head that you can't wait to see play Oh, I mean, I'm very excited about the rookies. I think Clyde Edwards Hilaire is is the first name that kind of jumps in my head, right? Because I remember watching the NFL draft and sort of saying to myself, like, it would be fun if the Chiefs took a running back here at the the bottom of the first round. And when I said that, I was thinking maybe a Jonathan Taylor, maybe a DeAndre Swift. Uh, When it ended up being Clyde Edwards Hilaire, I was still pretty excited about that. I mean, you're taking a, a dynamic running back, right? A guy who runs effectively, who catches the football, who does so many things. You're putting him in the the best offense in the National Football League. And then on top of it, you know, when you had Damian Williams decide to opt out because of, of COVID-19, understandably, uh, suddenly then there were no obstacles to to CEH being a workhorse running back there. So, um, you know, the fantasy world has been certainly a buzz about it. And uh, the, the Chiefs are just so much fun to watch. So now they add one more piece. I am certainly glad that I'm not a defensive coordinator who has to face this offense because that would be an absolute nightmare. But for me, as just a fan, uh, I'm excited to see kind of how he fits in there. I've been seeing a lot of people are talking about taking him in the first round. Are you willing to do that, maybe in a 12-man league? You have to. I mean, if, if you really? want him on your roster, you are going to have to. I mean, I have seen – I would say generally speaking, he is coming off the board as maybe the fifth or sixth pick overall. Wow. Uh, I was in one league where I think things got a little crazy, and I saw him go number one ahead of Christian McCaffrey. That is – Was that his league? spicy. Was that his league? <laughs> right? I, I don't even think he went that far in his league, right? Like, that's, that's a little bit spicy for me. Um, but, yeah, if, if you want to get Clyde Edwards-Hilaire this year – you are going to have to to take that shot at him, right? maybe at five or six overall. Otherwise, he's probably not going to be there for you. Yeah, because I know I've been – I'm always a little hesitant with rookies. I remember a couple of years ago, everybody was hyping up Royce Freeman, and he did phenomenal. Yeah. Except we chose the wrong Broncos rookie. Yeah, that was yeah. one that was, you know. Here's the it's funny because it is sort of hit or miss, right? There yeah. are guys that that are can't miss, right? I mean, yeah. Ezekiel Elliott as a rookie, yeah. we knew was going to be great. Uh, Saquon Barkley, we knew was going to be great. I think CEA sort of slots in there. Um, you know, I, I can't say there's like there are some guys I, I get excited about. I was excited about Kareem Hunt, and he had a great rookie season. Oh, yeah. uh, so that was on the good side. I was excited about David Montgomery last year. He yeah, was I took kind him of, too. He was kind of meh. So uh, it is hit or miss. But I do think I think Edwards Hilaire is more closer to the the Zeke and Barkley side than to say the Royce Freeman David Montgomery side. So if, if somebody's drafting, and let's say, of course, there's somebody in every league. It used to be the Aaron Rodgers guy. You take Aaron Rodgers in the second round every year. Now it's the Mahomes Lamar Jackson guy. So let's say somebody in the early rounds, Lamar and Mahomes are off the board. Who's your next best quarterback? 
Uh, for me, the quarterback three is probably Dak Prescott, um, just because of what we've seen him do the last couple of years. He's been fantastic, but I, I think he's been great on the field too. It, it's funny to me because I feel like Cowboys fans never appreciate their quarterback until he is gone. Um, you know, like they they never really seem to appreciate Tony Romo, and then after Romo left, you hear a lot of quarterbacks or a lot of Cowboys fans saying, "Man, uh, I wish we had Tony Romo." I'm not sure about this Dak Prescott guy, and so now I feel like it's the same thing where. Every time Dak makes a mistake, Cowboys Nation sort of jumps down his throat about it. And I think once, whenever it is that they move on to the next quarterback, I think they'll appreciate Dak. But he's my third quarterback. I think, I think taking him in the fourth round is, is pretty appropriate. I would say that you know, right on his heels for me is some combination of Russell Wilson and or Deshaun Watson that are going off the board in, say, the fifth round or so. So even if you aren't willing to pony up and spend that second or third round pick on, on a Lamar Jackson or a Patrick Mahomes, there are guys that are, are coming that have I think reasonable production uh that are be that will be available for you a round or two later that I think you can take a chance on what about some of the second year quarterbacks like Daniel Jones Kyler Murray I don't know if anybody's drafting Haskins but no. I don't know two, two yeah. man league I think even even two QB leagues yeah two QB really 16 be, people you'd, you'd really be yeah I think that, that that might be about it <laughs> yeah. right where you you have 32 quarterbacks off the board sort of thing for, yeah. for Haskins um look Kyler Murray and, and the hype train for Kyler Murray has been rolling since last December, right? I mean, we're, we're always looking for that guy who can be the next big thing. And after last year, people were looking for that guy who could sort of be, uh, you know, who could sort of duplicate what Lamar Jackson did last year. If there is that guy, it is Kyler Murray. The problem with Kyler is that last year, what made Lamar so special in fantasy is not only what he did on the field, but the fact that you probably drafted him in like the 11th or 12th round because the hype for Kyler Murray got ridiculously great early, you're talking about having to spend a fifth or sixth round pick on Kyler. So then if you're doing that, you need him to be a top three or top four quarterback to sort of justify the draft pick you spent on him. Uh, Daniel Jones, you mentioned, he's another one who is sort of every fantasy analyst. He likes to fumble every week. It's part That's of his, the problem. It's part of his routine. That is the problem, right? If he could somehow cut down that turnover number, then I think Daniel Jones is set up for a really great season. The way he played down the stretch last year was reason to be excited about him. The schedule out the gate is not great for the Giants, so it's going to be a, a bit of a trouble, a, a bit of a problem for him. But um, the weapons he has around him, right? I mean, as long as these guys stay healthy, Darius Slayton, Golden Tate, yeah. Evan Ingram, um, you know, we Sterling, know what Saquon Sterling Barkley could be. Sterling Shepard, another one. Uh, so as long as, as those guys stay healthy, I think Daniel Jones is set up great. But yes, you, you hit on the big, the big key. He has to protect yeah. the football. If he can't do that, then this all goes out the window. Yeah, I remember last year, like every week, I'm always looking down the box room. Like, did he turn it over? Did he fumble? What did he do this week? <laughs> he probably did, yes. But did their left tackle opted out? Does that give you any concern? Uh, I mean, a little bit. Here's the thing. Daniel Jones is sort of sneaky athletic, yeah. right? Um, you know, nobody's going to confuse him with, say, a Russell Wilson or anything like that. But he can move a little bit. He can get out of the pockets. So that is at least that at least gives you some hope. And again, look, the fact that he has Saquon there as an outlet when need be, the fact that he can get the ball to Evan Ingram quickly, I think that sort of helps. You want a quarterback who can get it out quickly just in case your left tackle situation is questionable, and that could be the case with the Giants this year. What about in terms of tight ends? I know a lot of years I'll take like – I'll give you an example. Last year I took Kelsey in the second round because I know he does almost equates similar production to some top receivers. Mm -hmm. are, there, are you comfortable taking Kelsey or Kittle in the second round or third I round this year? 
I have been all over George Kittle uh, in the early rounds. In the second round, um, you know, especially if, if he's still there early third round, then I will absolutely smash that, that draft button for, for George Kittle. Uh, I think this is the year he takes over for Travis Kelsey as the top tight end in fantasy football. Um, I thought that even before the Niners had all this rash of injuries at the wide receiver spot, I just think Kittle's ready to kind of take that next step. But if I miss out on Kittle and I have to quote-unquote settle for Travis Kelsey, I'm totally fine with it. I will say this, if I don't get those two guys early, then my strategy has been to wait until the later rounds because I think there are some guys with upside in those late rounds. Uh, I like Hayden Hurst, uh, who's now going to take over in Atlanta since yeah. Austin Hooper is gone. Um, you know, Mike Gesicki has been a popular pick there in, in Miami, looking for him to kind of take a step up. I would say even later, uh, I like Blake Jarwin in Dallas. I like really? John Smith. Yeah, I think so. Look, here's the thing. Jason Witten he last th- year. He had three touchdowns in a game a couple of years ago. I remember it was, it was like week 17. Nobody forgot. Yeah. I'm like, this is amazing. Yeah, Jason Witten last year was the tight end 11 in fantasy. And all wow. Jason Witten basically did was catch the football and fall down. Right. He just he touch, he touched the ball and fall down like that was his whole gig last year, right? So now you get Jarwin, who is younger, who is more yeah. athletic, who's in an offense that has a high passing volume. And let's let's remember, look between Witten leaving uh, and going to the Raiders, and now Randall Cobb also being gone and going to Houston. Um, I think that there is an opportunity for Jarwin to get some targets. I think he and C.D. Lamb sort of slide in there and kind of take over and gives the Cowboys two younger, more athletic options at those positions. So I think if Jason Witten can be the tight end 11, I don't see why Jarwin can't at least match that and maybe do a little better. Is Gavin Escobar still there? I feel like he's always there. It feels like he's always there, right? He's like the college guy who's been in school for like seven years. He's, he's like the Mercedes Lewis because every Packers game every week, I'm like, holy crap, Mercedes <laughs> every Lewis year. is still there. Every week. Every year he has a yeah he has a game where he scores like a touchdown. I'm like yeah. Mercedes. Yeah. Here's the thing. What's funny about that? So just as a side note, right? I mean, yeah. I work at the NFL Network. Yeah. Uh, I, I work alongside Maurice Jones Drew, who is a great dude, who's really funny, who's been on the network for a couple of years now. Yeah. Mercedes Lewis and and Maurice Jones Drew played against each other in high school. They were teammates together at UCLA. They were drafted the same year. MJD has been out of the league for a number of years now, and Mercedes Lewis just keeps on trucking. Mercedes Lewis. I wonder who's going to stay in the league longer, Mercedes Lewis or Kyler Murray. So, well, I'm telling <laughs> you, every Frank week, going to be like, both of them. It's he's okay. He's still here. And it's perfect because he only gets like two targets a game. He's not getting hurt. He's going out there. He's getting paid. He's doing his thing. He's like – 53 right now. Here's no. the thing. He had, I don't know if you remember, he had that game, I think, two years ago uh, with the Jaguars yeah, he had like in London. Three or four touchdowns, right? Right. And I say, I keep telling you, there is some British kid that doesn't understand the Gronk hype and thinks Mercedes Lewis is the greatest tight end of all time. He is in, in, in the United <laughs> Kingdom. It goes Tony Gonzalez, Mercedes Lewis, Kellen Winslow. <laughs> no, it's wild. That's incredible. And then what about Noah Fan? That's the one who keeps sticking out to me that I, nobody's really, people are kind of saying they're a little bit of hype. I'm excited about Denver this year and some of those plays he made last year, they really catch your attention. Yeah, no, I, I like Noah Fant's talent, right? I think there are still a lot of unknowns in Denver in general. I, I don't, you know, I know the Broncos are hoping that Drew Locke is their quarterback of the future. I can't say that I'm 100% sold on that. Plus the fact that look, they've got two running backs that they've got to feed the football to yeah. between Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay. And Royce uh, Freeman. 
And Royce Freeman, who I think is sort of the odd man out there, but I think he will get on the field occasionally. Cortland Sutton, we know, is going to do work there because we saw that last year. They went out, they drafted Jerry Judy. They also drafted K.J. Hamler. So there's a whole lot of guys that they've got to kind of spread the ball around to. I think Fant has potential. I like his athleticism. I just don't know if he's going to get the requisite amount of targets to sort of sort of like really pop this year. I would say that I, I feel a little bit better about his former college teammate, T.J. Hawkinson, in Detroit. I think, I think there are fewer targets uh you know fewer guys to throw the football to there so i think hawkinson has maybe a, a bit of a higher ceiling like i said i, I it's, this is not about fans talent it's just more about the situation and me not being confident in it and then speaking of hawkinson and um in detroit I feel like there's a lot of hype for Stafford this year. Are you feeling that at all? Yeah, uh, I will admit that I, I may have fanned that flame a little bit uh, earlier this summer. I think, look, I think part of it is what we saw from him last year. And I know on-pace stats are always sort of misleading, but when he was on the field last year, Matthew Stafford uh, was having a fantastic year. He was a top-six fantasy quarterback before he got hurt. And I'm curious to see whether he kind of slots back into that when he gets back on the field this year. Um, we know how good Kenny Galladay can be. We know what Marvin Jones can do. I mentioned Hawkinson. I do think there's a chance for Matthew Stafford to sort of pick up where he left off. And I think on top of it, what makes it better is the fact that he is going sort of later in drafts. He is, he's one of the guys, I, I have those guys that I refer to as the patron saint of the church of wait on a quarterback for the people who like to wait until the later rounds yeah. to draft QBs. Uh, Matthew Stafford is usually hanging around on the board in the ninth, 10th, 11th round. And I think for that, it's worth taking that risk for the potential upside he can give you. Who is this year's Chris Godwin? If I had to pick a guy, it's probably Calvin Ridley. Um, and I will say that I've, I've sort of backed off of that a little bit only because let's not forget how great Julio Jones is. And I think sometimes we take Julio Jones for granted because he has been so good for so long, but because of the way the Falcons throw the football, because uh, you know, they were the past happiest team in the league last year and have been actually for the last couple of years, there are plenty of chances for him to get targeted in this offense. Uh, their defense is still going to be bad, which means they're going to have to throw the ball to stay in football games. And on top of it, they play in a division that figures to be fairly high scoring, right? We know the Saints can put up points. Now that Tom Brady is in that offense there, and I mean, look, even with Jameis Winston, the Buccaneers were scoring points. Second, most, Brady, excited, second most exciting quarterback to watch in the NFL is Jameis Winston. You don't know, uh, yeah, because, you don't know what's going to happen. Because Jameis will keep both teams in the game. Yeah. That's, the, that's the whole point of it. It's awesome. Um, yeah, so but Tom Brady's going to be there. The, the Bucks will still score points. So the Falcons are going to have to fill the football to, to yeah. keep up. And so I guess if, if you were going to pick that guy who sort of takes that big leap forward this year, uh, for me it probably is going to be Calvin Ridley. Interesting. That's interesting. Are, do, are any of the rookie wide receivers that catch your attention like worth drafting early or they kind of – uh, I don't know about early necessarily. I think you're still waiting probably until like the, you know, the seventh, eighth round before you're, you're getting any of these guys. Uh, and that's at the soonest. Um, I, I would say that the guys that are top of mind for me, Justin Jefferson in Minnesota, uh, especially if the Vikings decide to go to more three wide receiver sets because I think Jefferson is going to sort of work as that slot guy uh, now that Stefan Diggs is in Buffalo. Jalen Rager is a guy who's gaining a lot of steam there in Philadelphia in part because – I don't think we have a lot of faith that Alshon Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson can stay healthy over the course of 16 games. So that means Rager's going to get some opportunities to perform there. Uh, I do think long-term, you're looking at, at the big three out of this class. And when I big three, I, I say, you know, C.D. Lamb, Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs. I think long-term, their ceilings are high. I think with Lamb especially, 
Uh, the first year may be tough just because you know, Amari Cooper is still there. Michael Gallup is still there. I talked about Blake Jarwin a little bit. So I think Lamb will be – I think he'll be fine this year, but I think, I think his big production is probably 2021 and beyond. So for this year, I'd say that the guys who I think really will pop will be Justin Jefferson and Jalen Rieger. Who's your guy that, like, deep in the draft, like 10th, 11th rounds, you're like, I know he's still going to be there, and I'm just going to grab him, and nobody's thinking about him? Um, I, I can't say nobody's thinking about it because the people I do drafts with, they, yeah. they, they do this for a living, yeah. so they're yeah. always thinking about That's everybody. That's fair. Uh, no, but, I, but I, I get your point. Um, I mean, I will say this, and this is, this is maybe me being a little bit of a USC homer a little bit, but I do like Michael Pittman. Um, I think what, what his opportunity can be in Indianapolis uh, is going to be pretty good there. We, we know T.Y. Hilton is going to be the guy, right? The question is, who is that number two receiver? Is it going to be Pittman? Uh, is it going to be Paris Campbell, who obviously had a lot of hype around him last year right now? like in a car accident or something. Yeah, yeah he, he was going through concussion protocol after getting in a car accident. Um, you know, I, I suspect he will be ready to play by week one. Um, so I think, you know, but I think he's the guy that is certainly worth, worth taking a shot at. And I, but I, like I said, I like Pittman. I think, I think he's a guy with plenty of upside there. Uh, another guy who is not a rookie is far from a rookie, but I think is hanging on the board way too long is Cam Newton. Um, really? Yeah. He's still on, he's still on the board in the 11th, 12th round right now. And, and I don't know that, that people have sort of caught up to it. Um, Look, let's keep in mind, when, when, when Newton was healthy, when he was at the top of his game, this is a guy who was a lock to be a top five, maybe even top three quarterback. It wasn't that long ago that he was the league MVP and was putting up just video game type numbers. And I know there are questions about the Patriots pass catchers, right? We know it's Julian Edelman. We know it's James White. We're not sure about everybody else. They got a Sanu, second round pick Sanu. Sure, right. Uh, you got to be they're saying there's Nikhil Harry, uh, there's the law firm Jacoby Myers. I mean, sure, right? But the thing is, my, my, my point is, even through most of his time in Carolina, Cam uh, didn't always have great receivers. You know, I mean, he had, he had Steve Smith early in his career. He had uh, you know, one good year of, uh, of, of Kelvin Benjamin. Uh, Devin Funches was just kind of so-so. I miss Funches. I'm going to miss him so much this year. It wasn't like he was just you know, blessed with a, a crop of great receivers. Yeah. So I think he'll figure out a way to make it work, especially if he's healthy enough to run the football again. And if he can make plays with his legs, uh, I, I do think that there's a world where Cam Newton is a top 10 fantasy quarterback. And, and again, he's coming off the board in like the 12th round in a lot of leagues. Are you expecting anything from their running backs in New England of Sonny Michelle or James White? No, not really. I mean, we sort of know what James White's going to be, right? He's going to catch the football. He'll give you some decent week-to-week production. I mean, the, the, the floor isn't crazy low, which is good, but the ceiling is not really high either, which doesn't really get me excited. Um, if I'm feeling kind of dangerous, I will take a shot at Damian Harris at the very end of the draft just because – there's at least something to be hopeful for, right? I mean, you know, here he is coming into a second year. He's hopefully going to get some more opportunities, especially because it seems like, you know, folks are, are sort of, I won't say tiring of Sony Michelle, but I think they know what Sony Michelle is. And he completely underperformed last year, has struggled to stay healthy. So I, I do think there's going to be an opening for Damian Harris to get in there and try to get on the field and make some production. So I, I think if, if, like I said, if I want to take a big swing with like my last pick in the draft, I'll, I'll take that swing on Damian Harris. For, for quarterbacks, who's somebody you think is going to be, people are going to assume is going to be a top 10 quarterback, but it's going to fall off a cliff. Um, 
I don't, I guess Aaron Rodgers is maybe the closest really? to that. Yeah. And I, I say that because, so I think this is one of those things where the consensus in the fantasy community versus the consensus with just sort of the general population um, is, is there's a gap there, but it's starting to close a little bit, right? Because for so many years, I just think because of muscle memory, we would talk about the top 10 quarterbacks and we would automatically just put Aaron Rodgers in there because, I mean, he really was that guy for so long. Last year, he was the quarterback eight, and even that was kind of a struggle. I mean, he had one huge game against the Raiders last year, and everything else was either average or, or below average. Uh, the Packers did nothing. They got, that great, they got that great receiver in the first round. Yeah, yeah. Wait, what was Jordan Love? Jordan Love. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Um, I mean, here's the thing. Everybody, I mean, literally everybody, to even Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams thought that the Packers were going to draft a wide receiver, and it didn't happen. They drafted Jordan Love. They drafted A.J. Dillon. They didn't get a wide receiver. And so maybe there's a chance that Alan Lazard or Marquez Valdez, Scantling, or Equinemius St. Brown or any Great number name. of the other alphabet crew there in, in Green Bay steps up and performs well this year. But chances are it's going to be the Devontae Adams show again this year, and that's a hard way for everybody to live. And so, uh, look, it took a Herculean effort for Aaron Rodgers to get into the top 10 last year, and I don't know that he's going to be able to do it again. I think he'll be fine enough for the Packers on the field to kind of keep them going and keep them competitive, but in terms of, of what you want out of him from fantasy, uh, I, I don't know that he's going to be a top 10 guy this year. What about that same question, but in terms of running backs? Uh, my, first, my first answer was Nick Chubb. And although I think, really? I think the consensus on Nick Chubb has sort of caught up a little bit. This has nothing to do with Chubb's ability, just more everything to do with who's there around him. Um, what we saw when Kareem Hunt yeah. came in halfway through last season. Remember, he, he missed the first eight games because of a suspension. When he came in in the final eight games of the season, he really cut into Nick Chubb's targets. And part of what made Chubb so effective fantasy-wise is that he was catching the football a lot. That went away once Kareem Hunt slid in there and started getting plays and started getting those targets. And so that's the thing that sort of worries me, that over 16 games, they will use Chubb as a running back. And he will be very effective there, but he's going to miss out on a lot of production because he's not catching the football. And so that makes it hard for me to kind of put him in the top 10 this year. Also add to it that they went out and they got Austin Hooper. So he and David Njoku are going to battle for those tight end snaps and tight end targets. I do think that the Browns offense will be better now that Kevin Stefanski is running things. I expect a lot more play action from this group than we saw last year. So I think Chubb will be, I think he'll be very good. Uh, I think, you know, if, if I'm still drafting early second round and he's right there, I have no problem taking him, but I don't expect him to be a top 10 running back. Would you draft Baker Mayfield? If I'm in a two QB league, absolutely. Uh, if I am in, even if I'm just just wanting some insurance at the quarterback position, uh, and, and he's still on the board in the double digit rounds, I would. I, I feel like last year. I mean, obviously, last year was a disappointment. Um, but at some point, you looked at and that whole thing just turned into a dumpster fire. I think it will be better. I talk about you know, I talk about them adding Hooper. I talk about them getting Stefanski. They also went out. And they upgraded their offensive line, um, you know. Conklin. So I, I, I think that uh, yeah, getting Conklin, drafting Jedrick Wills, uh, I think those are two big moves there that go a long way toward helping. So I do think that anybody who was sort of frustrated and kind of gave up on Baker Mayfield, maybe you want to revisit that late in your draft this year. And to finish that with the receivers, anybody you're saying I'm not, I'm not taking him. 
Um, the one that I have sort of been on is Amari Cooper, and it's more about where he's going right now um, because people are drafting him as a top you know, 10 or 12 or even 15 wide receiver. And, and here's the thing. I think that's possible, but I think what you have to look at with Amari Cooper isn't just the overall total at the end of the season, right? Because you'll look at his numbers at the end of the season, and he might be a top 12 wide receiver, and you're like, hey, look, Amari Cooper had a good year. Well, he and- played Washington twice, so those numbers are great. Right, exactly. But see, here's the thing. The week-to-week, because fantasy is a still a week-to-week game mostly, it is that week-to-week with Amari Cooper that has been really hard to stomach, right? I mean, he'll go a week where he'll have 200-plus yards and give you a couple of touchdowns. Then you might have to deal with back-to-back weeks where you get, like, you know, two catches for 30 yards that's a hard way to live and so because of where he's going I have tended to kind of shy away from Amari Cooper instead if I'm looking at Dallas's wide receivers I love Michael Gallup he's available several rounds later his overall production numbers are about the same as what you're getting with Amari Cooper except the week-to-week floor is a little bit more stable and I would much rather have that than to deal with that roller coaster each and every week and speaking of week-to-week it kind of popped into my head last year the person who had the best week of anybody in fantasy football was Sammy Watkins in week one. <laughs> and he didn't do it for the rest of the year, but I'm sure people saw it in week one. And then they started him probably for six weeks thinking, Oh, he'll get back there. And he did. It. Yeah. Is there uh, anybody this year that you're thinking, okay, they're going to have one big game and then people are going to start them for weeks and you're never going to see it again. Uh, I mean, if I had to pick a name, it, it might be like a Brashad Perriman. Uh, who I know is, is a little bit banged up there with the Jets this year, yeah. but uh, he, he is one of those guys who sort of has that potential. We saw it last year, right? After Mike Evans and Chris Godwin got hurt at the end of the year, uh, there were a lot of people who either won a championship or at least got to the fantasy playoffs on the strength of what Brashad Perriman did when those other two wide receivers were down. But for me, the track record hadn't been there. I mean, he was a first-round pick in Baltimore who never really caught on there with the Ravens. And just I, I haven't seen him do it over a long enough period to suggest that I could be comfortable with him. But I could see a situation where he has one just bananas games for the Jets uh, and everybody kind of jumps on board and then we just don't see that again from him. Is there any defenses that you're, you're looking at? Like, I'm, I'm expecting a lot this year. Like, any Bears of the past couple of years or Patriots from last year? Is anybody kind of catching your eye like that? Yeah, I mean, what, what the Patriots did last year was insane. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> uh, they, were, they were more productive than a lot of offenses at the, the early part of the season. That was just ridiculous. Uh, I mean, I do think the Bears are going to be great again this year. I think the Vikings will be fine. Um, sort of sneakily. I think the Buccaneers will be better. I'm, I'm not going to put them quite in the, yeah. the category of elite defenses yet. But when you look, the Bucks defense wasn't awful last year. They were put in a lot of bad situations because they had a quarterback who turned the ball over repeatedly. So now that they have a quarterback who is likely going to be better at protecting the football, I think that's going to go a long way toward helping that defense. And so I think the Bucs will be one of those defenses that surprises people a little bit uh, just because hopefully they won't be playing with their backs against the wall so much. Yeah. You, what, do you, what kind of finish are you expecting from Brady, at least fantasy-wise? Uh, I've got him right now as like QB 11 or 12. That's fair. Um, I, think, I think he's going to be a guy that he – he's one of the new patron saints of the Church of Wade on a quarterback for me too. Because I, think, I think he's going to be just fine. I think part of why I'm not putting him higher is that because he will be efficient – He's not going to have to throw the ball as much as Jameis Winston did because, in theory, the Bucks won't be playing from behind quite as much. So the yards will be there. The touchdowns will be fine. Um, the, the, the interceptions will obviously be low. But they won't ask as much of him because he won't be putting them in a hole as often. 
And then, so before I let you go, I want to ask you one last thing. So this year's different with that, with COVID going on. And mm-hmm. there's going to be players that test positive last minute and don't play. Right. What kind of precautions do you think that leagues can agree upon that they can set in place just to provide a little bit of flexibility in case players might not suit up when you expect them to? Yeah, I would say I've kind of gone with like a four-pronged advice approach with this. The first one is expand your rosters. Uh, whatever, whatever roster size you normally have, I would say I would add three to five roster spots for it, which means you know three to five extra rounds in your draft. Uh, the other thing is look at adding reserve spots. And, and some leagues already do this where you, know, you get a guy who goes on IR short term. You can put him in a reserve spot, uh, and that allows you to, to have extra flexibility on the waiver wire. So if you don't have those reserve spots in your league, consider adding them. Uh, if you already have them, I'd suggest you add more. Um, you know, I know NFL.com for NFL managed leagues this year, they have added three COVID spots for, for every roster. So that's something to keep in mind. Uh, the third thing is wait as long as possible to draft. I know some people, you already have your draft set. I mean, look, I, look, I, I am, I'm in the midst of a draft right now, multiple drafts right now as we speak. Um, but for, for people who haven't set their draft times yet, I would wait as close to the start of the season as you can just because you, know, you want to keep an eye on who potentially tests positive, who has to sit out, that sort of thing. So that's something to keep an eye on. And the fourth thing is when you do get into your draft, uh, I would suggest getting you know, drafting some insurance for some of your frontline players. You know, If you go out and you draft, say, uh, Ezekiel Elliott early. Go get Tony Pollard late. If you get Dalvin Cook, go get Alexander Madison. Uh, I would say that you know, in most years, I would never advise drafting a second quarterback or a second tight end. But this could be a year that you go do that just because you don't know who potentially will come up positive and who will have to miss some time. And you know, because this could happen to multiple teams in multiple positions, playing the waiver wire might get a little more dicey this year. So you sort of want to have those contingency plans set a little bit early. So just make sure you draft that insurance. Try to you know, draft wisely as much as possible. Just kind of make sure you have that backup plan ready to go. And speaking of insurance, so last year we saw Austin Eckler go bananas mm-hmm. because Melvin Gordon didn't play year before Connor. This year, who is like, who, who, your um, – who, which I'm trying to think of who's in, who's in, what's the word? Um, John Black, what the, the second string? Um, uh, like, uh, like backups or, or, or handcuffs? Handcuffs. Number who's your number? I can't believe that. That took me a lot longer than I thought it was. Um, who's, who's your top handcuff? Then? Can't, top. Uh, I mean, really, I think it's Alexander Madison in, in Minnesota because what we saw from him last year when Dalvin Cook was hurt, uh, has been hurt in the past, has been really, really good. I also think there is a chance for him to start seeing more work in that offense. Uh, I do think he's a great option. I would say another guy who's kind of right on the heels of that is Latino. Tavius Murray in New Orleans, another guy who has, who sort of has standalone value. I mean, Alvin Kamara is great. And I love, I, look, I'm taking Alvin Kamara third overall in as many drafts as I can. Um, but I do think there is a role for Latavius Murray to step up and play well this year. So uh, he would be number two. And if you you're just a bonus one, a third one would be Tony Pollard in Dallas who has sort of carved out a nice pass catching role for himself. But if something were to happen to Ezekiel Elliott, then Pollard walks into a huge opportunity. Definitely. Definitely. Well, that's really all the questions I really had for you. And for people that aren't following you on um, social media that may or may not reach out to you for advice Sundays, (laughs) every Sunday, because I can't imagine your DMs. Um, How can people find you on social media? 
Yeah, uh, you can find me both on Twitter and Instagram at Marcus G M A R C A S G. Uh, and just to hear me musing on all things fantasy, you can check out the NFL Fantasy Football Show, uh, which in season will be three days a week Monday, Wednesday, oh. and Friday. And then uh, NFL Fantasy Live, which uh, starting week one will be five days a week, 6 p.m. Eastern on NFL Network. Awesome, awesome, man. Well, it's been a blast. I can't wait for fantasy this year. I'm going to come in third. I'm going to be angry. <laughs> <laughs> every year, every year. No, something's going to happen. It's, it's, it's something's gonna go. Something's gonna. It, I, I can't imagine the people that had Zeke a couple of years ago. Remember that was that week sixteen when they oh. fumbled, they took away, and they added two points. Yeah. I want to know how many people didn't give the money back. So, <laughs> I wouldn't have. I'm like, eh, it's over. It's already, it's, I'm over. Already, it's already spent. It's in the bank. I don't it's know. It's over. Yeah, I got, I got the trophy for next year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but this has been a lot of fun, man. Appreciate it, one. Thank you again. Hey, I appreciate the invitation, man. Enjoy the conversation. 